0: Welcome back to another Yak podcast. We're continuing our series called Addicted to Busy. This is part 2 where we ask the question of why are we addicted to busy? But so here's one of my pet sins. Okay? I find it irritating I sin when I come across someone who thinks philosophy is useless. Mostly because they are always inconsistent with it. It is a popular opinion by many atheist scientists, like Neil Tyson de Grace, today to ignore philosophy, like it's naturally not, like it isn't naturally part of the discussion. Here is a funny discussion between a, philo- a non-philosopher scientist and a philosopher scientist. As a scientist, I don't think philosophy is important. Philosopher, why do you think we should do science and not philosophy? Scientist, because science, you're now doing philosophy. The moment you answer the why question with anything, you are now doing philosophy. So what does it have to do with busyness? We have to ask the why question. Why are we addicted to busy? There is a great story in the Bible that speaks to busyness, and we will start there today. If you have your Bible, you want to read along with me, it's Luke 10, 38-42. Get in the habit. I know not in the past. There's been some weeks where we haven't used Scripture or brought in the Bible during transformation groups. I'm really trying to remedy that this year. Try to bring your Bibles every week. It'll help you. Um, So again, Luke 10, 38-42. Luke is in the New Testament. Matthew Mark, Luke John John, John. Acts. Acts Romans, you get it. very beginning of the New Testament. well not very beginning that's Matthew, but Luke is the third one. If you are like super like philosophical or Greek thinker, turn to Dr. Luke. that's how, how he works. okay So here's the story, Luke 10:38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So let's play this out in a modern setting. A very famous person is coming to your home. Think of who you hold in highest esteem in the culture. I want you to think about this. Okay, Think about this. Junior high students, be with me. Think about this. Who do you hold in highest esteem in the culture? Whether it's a politician, an athlete, an actor. They are coming to your house. Think of them. i give you a moment. Think of that person. If you have a bunch of people that you're like, I yeah, it could be anyone, just choose one of them. Hey? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Sunday School. <laughs> Politician, athlete, or actor, some famous person that you're really excited about that come to your home. Everyone hopefully got somebody. <laughs> yeah so what do you do what do you do hopefully the most important thing you can do you want to look presentable you don't want them to come to your home and be thinking what a pigsty or what a pig person why that's a philosophical question isn't it why do we do that serious question why do we do that Want to impress them? We care, what they think about. we care what they think about us. Okay, this is your first fill in the blank. Because you want them, the most important person you know, to think highly of you. You want them, the most important person you know, to think highly of you. Brady Boyd, in his book, Addicted to Busy, says this. If I'm busy, then I'm important. And if I'm important, then you'll be impressed. Right? Right? But let's be real. You have a guest coming over to your house who you not met. They are a friend of a friend. What do you do? Try to impress them. Try to impress them. Maybe not the exact same level as the famous person, but you clean. Why? Because they don't hold as much high skin. But you still do it. Why? Here's your next fill in the blank. Because you want them, the person you don't know, to think highly of you. You want them, the person you don't know, to think highly of you. Here is a fact: a fact. Unless it is someone you dislike, you will still put out your best face. Even if you know they dislike you, sometimes you still do it. I think it's even if someone you dislike. Yeah. Even if that's what I was saying. Even if it's someone you dislike, you might still do it. I thought I said that was No, no. For some of you, it will be for others of you you might try even harder because you want them so bad to like you busyness serves as some kind of existential reassurance a hedge against emptiness one author wrote obviously your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy completely booked and in demand every hour of every day but it's the same way with busyness in our culture. We use busyness as a badge that says, I'm doing something. My time is valuable because I have less of it. I must be worth something because I am doing something. And what is my worth determined by? By what other people think of me. So if you see how this plays out, it's like the chicken before the egg, or I don't we don't know where it comes in. But either one, on one hand, you want to impress somebody. Whether you like them, you dislike them, you don't know them. So what do you do? You busy yourself around them. Whether it's cleaning or making everything. How long did it take you to make this meal? It took forever. Why? Because you want your busyness to show your worth. So that they can think highly of you. See, this is this vengeful circle of awfulness. So why do we keep ourselves busy? A lot of the times it just comes back to you want people to see you a certain way. Because again, I love this phrase. We use busyness as a badge that says I'm doing something. My time is valuable because I have less of it. Supply and demand, right? Capitalism. Yes. Uh, yeah. I must be worth something because I'm doing something. Brady Boyd in his book Addicted to Busy says this. This is your next fill in the bling. When you need to be needed, you will willingly sign up for slavery like that. When you need to be needed you will willingly sli- sign up for slavery like that. You can chew on that phrase all week. Because don't we? When we need to be needed, we'll sign up for that slavery. What's the slave? Yeah. There's another, I didn't go this route, but one of the routes I almost went doing this, and, and I think it works with this kind of question, is that the Israelites... They wanted to be back in Egypt because they were busy. They were worth something, namely what they built. We'd sign up for slavery like that. I want to go back. I know you're giving me manna and, you know, birds and whatever else you're feeding me. You're taking care of me, but I don't find my worth there. I find my worth in what I was doing. Take me back to Egypt. Egypt. So why do we need to be needed? Why do we need to be needed? I mean, it's why we're made to be doing things. God created the world and put us in the garden so that we could tend the garden. Being busy is not a sin. It is being busy for busyness' sake, for being busy for someone else that is the problem. God wants you to do things. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Okay? He has plans for you. I'm blanking on the verse. It's later on, Paul says it in Ephesians. But he's laid specific works in front of you. He wants for you to do things. God wants you to do things. And he's giving you a way to do it. He's given you a way to do it. And this is what he's given you to do. For you guys, I tell say for the vast majority of you, it means slowing down. You're caught up in the rat race, and you you don't know how to slow down. Can you answer this question? Man, I'm sounding like a middle school boy today. I definitely need more hydration. I apologize. Sorry, middle school boys. Um, Here's the next fill in the blank. Would I even know how to live a slowed down life? Would I know what to do with rest? Would I even know how to live a slow down life? Would I know what to do with rest? And think about it. Base mileage, what we talked about last week, was supposed to be easy. It's what you get up and do. But most of us couldn't even do that. We're just busy. I can't even fit in that. I can't even fit in two times a week with the Lord. He's given you a blueprint in scripture. How to run the race well. But instead we say, well, I'm busy. Why? So I can impress other people that I like, I dislike, or I don't care. I don't know. We get to be a Mary or a Martha in America. Busyness is our patriotic pet sin. I mean, we coined the term Protestant work ethic. Yet Jesus calls us to rest in him. So here are a couple ways we can stop being so Martha and start being Mary. Here are a couple ways. Number one, to fill in the blank. Stop being FOMO. FOMO? Stop being FOMO. F-O-M-O. That is a, that's a literal sociological term for fear of missing out. It's a serious psychological sociological term for fear of missing out it's a literal definition it's we are so scared that we might miss out on something on twitter or in the news or texting with friends in a world that we constantly stay plugged in for fear of missing out when god is telling us to unplug and rest in him How many times, boys, did you check your fantasy football scores today? Way too many. Way too many. For fear of missing out on a play. So I'm like every okay. five minutes. I, girls, I, do kind of like I don't know. Some of you have just I've been around for six months, so maybe you are not the type. <laughs> but sociologically and data speaking... The amount of texting that women do nowadays is ridiculous. I know, right? And the reason they do it, the reason they do it is FOMO. But I don't want to mess I can't unplug. Today I turned off my phone for 10 minutes and I turned it back on and I had 40 notifications. See? see? Your, friends, your friends are so FOMO too. Fact is, young people... As Young people, you fear that if you don't do everything, you will miss something. If you don't feel like you fear, sh- hey guys, 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 you fear that if you don't do everything, you will miss something. As you get older, I think the older people could speak in the room. You just care less. I don't care what you think. <laughs> Okay, you're more confident in yourself, but I think as young people, we want to stay connected, and you fear us now. Brady Boyd explains, expanding the idea beyond the walls of the church, we think that if we don't get every room vacuumed, every bookshelf dusted, every meal made by hand, every child's homework folder initialed, every birthday party attended, every plant watered, every inch of grass mowed, every load of laundry folded, every lacrosse practice made, every book read, every app mastered, every television sporting event watch, every everything done, we will somehow be lesser human beings. Now clearly a lot of those things are adult things, but I'm sure you can find things to plug into that list of, if I don't be a completist in this area, I am less of a person. Two. Stop looking to others for your worth. I'm screaming that as I'm looking in the mirror. Stop looking at others for your worth. We spend most of our time, money, and resources to impress others. We just do. Why is it so hard to spend our time, money, and resources not to impress God or to work for God but to simply be with God? That's all he's asking you to do. He's not asking you to necessarily spend all your time and resources. Although he will, if you fall more in love with them, it's just asking to be with you. It's the first step, but we spend so much of our time and resources on other things. Brady Boyd says this: We struggle to tithe because it costs us money. We struggle to pray because it costs us time. We struggle to fast. We struggle to fast because it costs us focus, and we struggle to do anything that is costly for God if we aren't sure we'll be recognized for it somehow. If we aren't sure, we'll be recognized for it somehow. Number three, follows from last week. Find a sustainable pace. We talked about this last week, just like we talked about, well, we'll talk about the rest of the year. Some of you are running so fast that you can't help but look to others and fear missing out. And this is last fill in the blank. You are so stuck on the hamster wheel of the American dream that you fail to realize that Jesus wants you to dream bigger. You are so stuck on the hamster wheel of the American dream that you fail to, fail to realize that Jesus wants you to dream bigger. Put your pencils down. Pencils down. you got another 15 seconds. Just listen. If your best way of listening... By closing your eyes and listening, do that. your best way, just listen. Your worth is bigger than your busyness. Your worth is bigger than what your friends think of you. Your worth is bigger than the celebrity you thought of at the beginning of the talk. How much you thought of them, how much you thought of them, Jesus thinks more of you. And I know we all laughed at Jays, but think about it. Even if it was Jesus, your worth was so big to him that he gave up himself for you. So in some way, yeah, your worth is much bigger than the cross. Your worth is bigger than your job. Your worth is bigger than the list of things you got done. Why? Why? Because of what I just said. Because God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life. To be tempted as we are. To be betrayed. And to have the full weight of our sin put on him. So that we can be made righteous. So our worth can be made known in his son. Your worth is bigger than the cross. Because that is what Jesus went through to get you. Stop being defined by the things around you. And start being defined in relation to the one who made you. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom from busyness, free to finally rest. Rest in Christ. Find his pace. Brady Boyd says this, The more rested you are, the less you are driven by what others think of you. The more rested you are, the more you are driven by what God alone believes to be true. This is a magnificent place to be because Scripture is clear that God's thoughts towards us are good. Rest. Thanks for tuning in to another Yak podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Yak, you can visit us at org. See you next week.